The 2024 Senior Bowl is in the books, and today we have a guest on the show, Zach Lyons at F-Words Pod, who was down in Mobile to talk us through some standouts and who might be a good fit with the Titans. This is the Music City Audible. Let's get to it. We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by Broadway Sports Media in partnership with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver. With me, as always, is Justin Mello. And we have a guest today. The great Zach Lyons is joining us. Justin, how's it going? I'm doing well, I guess, uh, as well you as guess. can be. Uh, <laughs> just telling the guys off air here that I think I'm battling some food poisoning this morning. So bear with me. But other than that, uh, I'm doing well. I've gone through some good work this morning. We got our buddy. Has Zach ever been on? It's been a long time since Zach's been on this he's show. He's been on, on the show. MCA. Yeah. He's, he's it's been years, though, I think, right? Friend of the pod. Years, yeah, maybe probably. like a year and a half, two years. So, Zach, how was uh, how was the trip to Mobile? Great. Uh, I mean, I went down with Stony. We drove down and everything. We didn't we didn't have a sponsor big enough to fly us down, but LionsFord.net <laughs> uh, took us down there. We drove down in style in a Ford Bronco, and uh, we had a great time. We're in an Airbnb. Uh, we kind of took uh, Easton and JT under our wings and showed them the ropes of um, Senior Bowl week. Uh, we called them our kids. I don't think we called them our kids to our face, but we're like, where are the kids? Where, where have you? Where are your children, uh, Stony? But um, we had a great time. They were great. Uh, produced a lot of content, over twenty-five pieces of content for Stack and Inbox and Four Forty and Sobros Network, all in conjunction. So, uh, yeah, it was a I, lot. I'm tired uh, and still still feeling the effects of Mobile. I I don't know that I would trust you in Stony with two children. Probably a a, um, a a good decision on your part, I would say. Yeah. I would also say that we were very responsible adults. We're maybe it's because we're old. Uh, <laughs> while they were partying downtown, we were like in bed or in uh, in the Airbnb, about to go to bed, watching like some remnants of film of certain players that we saw down there that caught our eye. So we um, we were working while they were partying, but they're you know they're twenty four. You, you guys uh, are to grinding. be young. How long is the drive? It's not that long, is it? No, about six hours, uh, six and a half hours from Nashville. So it's not that too too much of a drive. And then when you have someone where you could just talk football the whole time or you listen to football podcasts and try to take in all this information and bounce ideas off each other and various topics, it's uh, it makes it go by a whole lot quicker. It does. It does. But I'll be honest, as a, you know, our local Canadian resident, that's longer than I would have guessed it is. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it, it, we're, you know, middle of Nashville to like very south of Alabama, which is the state right under Nashville. And so right. it is, there's a, it, there's a lot of ground to cover, a lot of vertical ground. There was a lot of 440 media personnel down there. You you mentioned you guys, Easton, JT, and also our buddy James Foster, No Flags Film. So we had a large contingent of people down there covering this thing. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's up? James is James is from is the enemy. He's A to Z. He's so A to Z. Well, right. a little bit different than 440, but he, he was goes down on, there. We did hang out with James. He makes a lot of appearances on the 440 yes. pod network. <laughs> um, 
Zach, let's get into this thing. Let's talk about some of the standout performers. And we're going to look at this from a Titans perspective here and guys that may fit. So pretty much going to ignore the quarterback performances, which were, I would say, which not... I totally did for the most <laughs> part until they became so unavoidable in during the game when they were just horrendous. It was the yeah. worst. It was the quarterbacks from last year were uh, at performed better at the game than they did this year. So I, I mean, didn't really pay attention to much to the quarterbacks, just where the ball ended up and that was against the wide receivers and defensive backs. When, when Spencer Rattlers went in senior bowl MVP, I feel like, you know, there's some hey, issues going on, but four, four I... for four, 65 <laughs> yards in a TD and that touchdown, good ball placement on the deep ball. there, a one-on-one to the Georgia receiver. Yeah. Marcus Rosemary, Rosemary Jackson is a guy that made it a lot of money this week. About to say Spencer Rattler made some money this weekend. I would say yeah. all week long, he would have been the most consistent, quarterback and consistent in a good way not consistent in a bad way but um i think that he helped his stock a lot and there's a i think people are going to be surprised about how high spencer rattler goes in this draft yeah and there's a lot of that. players that were like that this week uh quinn uh, quinion mitchell who mm -hmm. i consider a guy to be completely on board at some form of fashion for the tennessee titans probably fairly high on their board um i don't know if you guys had a chance to listen to the uh official Titans podcast, OTP, uh, Chad Brinker was on Friday. So we listened to it on our way back on Sunday, me and Stoney did. And we know that Callahan kind of said like bigger, faster, stronger. When it talks about receivers, they want relentless players. Um, there was another R word and I can never remember the other R word. I don't know if you guys remember which, what that is, but he said they want fit players. So that is what uh, Chad said, fit, fast, instinctive, and tough. Hmm. And I think that when you talk about Quinion Mitchell and he's one of the many DBs who really showed out the, the defensive backs were on fire almost all week. And uh, Quinion Mitchell is a guy that I know you're high on Justin Mello. And I, I think the, after the first day, everybody was like, that dude could just quit practicing. Like if that <laughs> dude just quit practicing all week, there's no reason for him to come out here. He's kind of like Jackson powers, Johnson level of good out there. Clearly the best. He's going in the first round, and I wish the Titans could really somehow get him in the second, and I would be all on board with that, but he's going in the first round. He's a guy that made tons of money, but he would be so perfect for what the Tennessee Titans want and need, especially when they got Denard Jackson and Steven, or Denard Wilson and Steven Jackson on board. It's going to be really interesting to see how that cornerback room shapes out, but Quinion, Jack, uh, Quinion Johnson made him so much money this week. Quinion Mitchell, god dang. <laughs> um, well, it's funny you brought up the other name because I was going to say, I think uh, the two best players going into this thing, they ended up being the two best players in attendance, and that was Quinion Mitchell and Jackson Powers Johnson. So there was no surprise for me on that end. Uh, I'll, I, I'll put my hand up say I got a little lucky, man. Someone put me on him in like October or November, I think it was, and I reached out to the folks at Toledo. They gave me great access to interview him. That interview is still doing numbers. And it's like, I can post it on social right now every day. And it's going crazy. Cause like he is a bona fide first round pick. I don't think he's going to be the first corner off the board, but I, I would put money down that he's the second corner off the board. And I think it's, it's hey, possible. Listen, if the that odds he's are the good first. enough. Put money down that he may be the first corner off the board because the stuff that he said also in the official Titans podcast interview from their senior bowl coverage that week, he was talking about the stuff he wanted to work on, and he put the, what he was working on into action on the field. And when you have someone that's also not only tough, instinctual, and fast, 
but he's also coachable and he's and he's trainable. That's what you're looking for. And I don't know. I mean, I like Terry on Arnold a lot, but man, Quinion Mitchell, maybe it's just senior bowl recency bias, but I I've we watched a little bit of tape of his. We watched what he did down here. He was he was a dominant force, and I don't know how if he if he gets out of the first round, there there must be something in his background or medicals that we're just not privy to. He yeah. won't. He won't know get what out of the be. first round. Yeah, yeah, he won't. Yeah, he I won't. Don't think the he the will numbers either. are there too, right? Like something like fifty pass breakups in four, yeah. like something crazy. Fifty pass breakups in four years. Ton of interceptions as well. Like, and they played at, at Toledo. Like when you watch the tape, it actually blew me away. It pissed me off. They played a lot of off man coverage and a lot of zone. Like there's mm-hmm. so many times he's ten yards off the ball, and I'm like, what are we doing here? Let's get like we're playing the University of Buffalo. Let's get this guy in yeah. press. You know what I mean? Like let's and get him they said up that, to the line of scrimmage. This week, he answered all those concerns and yep. against really good players. Cause I think a guy that could be that's fast, instinctive, and tough um, is Roman Wilson, who mm-hmm. put on, who's the only wide receiver who got the best of Quinion Mitchell while he was down there. Wow. So <laughs> I would say Roman Wilson probably had the second best week of all the players, maybe not necessarily the second best player, but he had the second best week. And I think that that's a guy that could be in play if the Titans were able to pick up an extra third round pick. Um, he seems like a guy, I really think he's going to go in the second round because I think uh-huh. when you look at the mission, what he did in the college football playoffs, what he was able to do, even if it's just a run heavy team, he still can run block, right? I mean, that you want, I know everybody's scared of that, you know, label or trait for wide receivers when you're a Tennessee Titans fan. <laughs> But every team wants their play, players to be able to run block, their wide receivers to be able to run block, so they don't have to come off the field. Right. And Roman Wilson's a guy who could do that, but he can also make contested catches. He's a lot faster than what you thought he w- would be and what you saw on tape, and his route running was great. He was physical. Like I said, he got he got the best of Quinion Mitchell uh, at least three times, and that's three more than any other wide receiver. <laughs> <laughs> I How think, about the efficiency? Wait, hang on. on. I think guy. I think Roman Wilson is a guy that's super interesting, and the Senior Bowl is the perfect place for him because mm-hmm. watching his tape is like it's a chore because of the Michigan offense and JJ McCarthy, and like he right. just didn't get that many targets. And when you look at like his raw numbers, I think Titans fans are probably accustomed to like valuing production at a very high level because that's how John Robinson drafted his players and we'll have to see what you know how things change under Rand Carthon and Brian Callahan here and how much they value traits versus production but when you just look at Roman Wilson's raw numbers nothing really jumps out as impressive he topped out his career this past season with 48 catches for 789 yards again a a lot of that is a product of the Michigan offense but he scored 12 touchdowns which I think is that is a eye-popping number for a guy who didn't play in a very pass-happy offense. And then when you watch his tape, you talk about the run blocking. He's not just like lining up outside and like going up and hitting a cornerback and calling it a day. He's like digging out safeties mm-hmm. in the box, coming in from sort of that slot alignment and really getting in the, doing the dirty work when it comes to run blocking. So I'm a huge fan of Roman Wilson. And I think this week was a great chance for him to show that he can be a, like a productive receiver in a pass-happy offense I think he's a great fit for the Titans if they, I mean, if they pick up a third round pick, you said he might go in the second round. It's just such a deep class. I don't know if he's going to crack the the first two rounds, but he is a guy that I would love the Titans to try to get. I, I think and, he will. And just because I'm uh, uh, the reason I want to get into some different numbers that because you went into the wrong numbers. How many touchdowns did he have? Did you say total 12 last season? 
12. So half of those were on 20 on deep shots, 20 plus yards. So six 20 plus yard deep shots last year. He was 12 of 18 on those 20 plus deep shots, 25.9 yards per reception on those deep shots. And he had two, of uh, he caught two contested catches out of three opportunities on those deep shots. So he showed a lot more than just those deep, that deep speed, but that was on display too. And I, he kind of reminds me, I know this guy didn't go in the second round, but he kind of reminds me a little bit of a Tyler Lockett. And I I think that with his route running deep, uh, deep ability and stuff like that, what, what I saw, I think a lot of people misevaluated Tyler Lockett. So now maybe people overestimate Tyler or uh, uh, the next coming. But like you look at a guy like Jaden Reed, a guy like Michael Wilson, guys like uh, Christian Watson who made names for themselves down here these last few years. This is a guy that I think that he didn't play in the game. And typically when you don't have play in the game, your agent tells you, good job. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and then um, you also, he played a lot outside. And he played a lot of slot in college. And right. when you play outside at the senior bowl, when you play in a position that you may not have played in college, you are being asked to do that by by teams. They want to see what you could do outside against premier competition. Like I said, against Quinnell Mitchell, beat him three times, won him with a one-headed sideline grab that was one cheek, two feet, right <laughs> there in front of everybody. And it was shut down practice. A guy like that is going to really shoot up draft boards. I really encourage people to buy some Roman Wilson stock. I uh, I want to cut in here quick, Graver, because a couple of things made me chuckle there. Number one, you guys, I mean, you mentioned it, but the number that blows me away is 25% of the catches went for touchdowns. Yeah. That's crazy, right? 25%. And mm. I asked him about that, and uh, he told me he thinks what led to that was the scramble drill because I became so much better at the scramble drill. I'm making myself available to JJ when plays would break down or they would extend. And Will Levis has that ability, right, as we know. So I think that's really uh, interesting. And, I, and the reason I chuckled there, uh, I'm assuming it was total coincidence. I, I doubt Zach's had time to read it. But when I interviewed Roman Wilson, he gave Tyler Lockett as his own pro comp. I asked hmm. him to compare himself to one NFL receiver. And he said, well, he goes, here at Michigan, you know, me and the coaching staff, the wide receivers coach, start bringing in a lot of Tyler Lockett film for me to watch with them. And uh, But he did add, shrewdly, I might say, add right at the end of the answer he gave me, he said, but a Tyler Lockett that can take the top off the defense. Yeah, <laughs> I would totally agree with that. I think it's it, he's an interesting prospect. We're going to get more into him as the draft gets closer. But, Zach, I think every Titans fan wants to know mostly about the offensive line and the wide receivers. So let's stick with the wide receivers here. Was there anyone else that stood out this week in a good way or a bad way? I know Justin and I did a preview episode last week and talked about players we were excited to see. And one of my guys was Tez Walker. And I feel like he was one of the most disappointing players of the week. <laughs> it, it, it was easily like it, it got really comical during the week with just how bad like you saw it. Right. Like you could see this guy's getting open. He's beating defensive backs and then he's just not catching the ball. It's it's the craziest thing I've seen. And there's nobody on him. and He's not catching the ball. And it, it kind of got it kind of became a running joke throughout the week. And then the press box was filled for whatever reason, for this game, probably because the quarterbacks that were going to be playing was filled to the brim. And he started dropping balls, and everybody kind of like chuckled a little bit. And then like the second or third drop, everybody's just like, it became a support group for him. Like we all just (laughs) felt bad for Tez Walker because nobody damaged their stock more than Tez Walker. Like 
he's going to have to really blow some interviews away, the combine away, and hope that his tape and athletic ability really take. Because I, like, this is a guy that was, I thought at one point, a second round. I mean, he could go undrafted at this point. I don't think he will, but it's not out of the realm possibility in the NFL that all these drops at the senior bowl, his body language at the senior bowl, if he continues at the combine in those drills, you know, where they're going across the line, running across the line, he drops them. Or if he even opts out of doing that drill, like that to me is going to hurt his stock, or maybe it just keeps his stock afloat at like a fifth or sixth rounder, you know, whatever. I felt really bad for him. And I, and I really think that he had a rough go. I think, I think guys that, the Tennessee Titans should probably fans should really focus on though is like, even if it's a bad day or slow start, Xavier Leggett is a guy who did make some wild plays, but he had a rough first day. He had a slow start to his second day, ended up with a really, really good day. Uh, but that's a slow start. Right. And then you look at his third day and he started off a little rough and then he, had an ankle injury hmm. and so he didn't get to play. He didn't play in the, he didn't practice. He didn't play in the game. So a little bit of a concern right there. I know a lot of people are high on him. Uh, I know they got shut down by Nate Wiggins, pretty hardcore. It was an embarrassing game. Uh, I, I would say that I'm hesitant. I, I side with Dane Brugler over most people. And the fact that I think, I was a little surprised that he was a second round player, but I'm also a little surprised or a little surprised that people had him French first, but walking away, I'm thinking that is a third round guy. Uh, but again, we still have a whole lot of process to go, but as of right now, I would have a third round day three grade on him. But two guys I really want to talk about is Ryan Flournoy out of Southeast Missouri, who got, uh, who went to the hula bowl and came down here. If I'm not mistaken, it was the hula bowl. And this dude can flat out play. He's big. He's fast. He is going to test off the charts at the combine. They're talking that this guy who is, I uh, believe he is six, one, 200 pounds, right? This dude is going to run a four, three, five is what they're saying. Uh, and I could see it. You could see his speed on deep balls on one, one V ones. You could see it everywhere, but he's also just, he's built like a Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver, like a Tennessee Titans wide receiver, but he has the athleticism of, I don't know, I guess, he, I think he's more athletic than A.J. Brown on the field. So wow. he really improved his draft stock. He's a guy that can continue a strong showing as it goes on. Jamari Thrash, guys, I don't know where you guys are at and on your evaluation. We eventually just broke down and watched a bunch of Jamari Thrash. And... um He's smaller, but he played on the outside. And Ladd McConkey had a really good week uh, against a zone very coverage and against safeties and linebackers with his route running. Jamari Thrash needs to be put on the map for his route running, his ins and outs, his stop start, his breaks. Uh, the tape is kind of hard to get through because the quarterback play there, it's it's tough. Uh, I think it's Jake Plummer Jr. is is up there. and It's a... Uh, it's it's tough. It's tough watch, but he's got deep speed. He's and he played mainly outside for the for the practices and the games. So, and he, I think he did a lot of outside for Louisville as well. But he's a guy that reminds me of a lot Jaden Reed in the way that I didn't expect Jaden Reed to go in the second round, but I thought that was a really good spot for him. 
and they used him in creative ways to find ways to get him the ball, and that's Jamari Thrash. I like Jamari Thrash a lot as a um, an outside deep threat that could complement and get into rounds, jet sweeps, and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I don't know if he fits the bigger, the, the Bengals model as far as being bigger, but I do think that if you're looking for fast, instinctual, and tough, Jamari Thrash, and then I would say later on down the road, if if Marcus Rosemary, Rosamine, I call him Rosemary all the time, <laughs> Rosamine Jack Saints available in the fifth round, that's a guy I would take a flyer on and because he's very he's very tough. He's a guy that makes hand catches, soft hands. He gets at it. He will he hustled all week long. I really liked him. And Lad McConkey was good, but let's the hype was a little too much for me on the on the Lad <laughs> McConkey this week. But we cannot allow the Rams to get their hands on Lad McConkey. I will say that. <laughs> he cannot go to the Rams. They will win the next five Super Bowls with those three wide receivers. Well, well, well that's what intrigues me so much about him, to be honest, right? Is like, yeah, the, the press thing is there, but the Rams have done such a good job throughout Cooper Cup's career hiding him from press, and the production speaks for itself, right? So you get him into a similar system, and you hide him from press. I mean, the, the sky might be the limit for that guy. Injury is really the only con- real concern that you have with Lad McConkey and-, and the press. Like if someone, you know, is smart and watches the film and sees that, well, I could just probably, if you put Roger McCree on Lad McConkey, he's going to have Lad McConkey in hell. And I know that sounds crazy, but it, every press, every press rep that was down here, whether it's inside or outside, he struggled to find separation. And that was a real, that was a real, real thing for him. But I mean, these defensive backs were just all over him, and they were all the, the first day they were not. That second day, they came with a plan that I guess they were just going to do press man coverage all damn day. And Lad McConkey kind of was a little quiet on day two. I just can't wait to get through the draft process and hear Lad McConkey compared to like Cooper Cup and Wes Welker and Hunter Renfro and just a bunch of white slot wide receivers because that's yeah. what everyone's going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, Zach, I want to talk no, about... No, I'm going to throw out... Uh, he's a Jameson oh. Crowder. I'm throwing out the first uh, non-white comp for Lad McConkey. <laughs> going Jameson Crowder. Nice. I like that one. Um, Zach, let's get into the offensive line talk here. And this is going to be a really interesting conversation to me because most of these guys are not going to be first-rounders. And if they are, they're not going to be in the Titans right. range. They're not going to be number seven overall first-rounders, especially when you're talking about some of these tackles. But is there a chance in your mind, Zach, that the Titans... Looking at Brian Callahan's past, looking at the Bill Callahan hire as the offensive line coach, someone that they know is going to be able to get the most out of the talent they acquire. Do you think the Titans might elect to go wide receiver at seven? And if so, what kind of offensive tackles could they target in the second round, especially some guys that were down there at the senior bowl? I, I think I think like logically Ever, I think people are going to struggle with this. And this is where the debate kind of lies, right? It's either, yeah. well, you either got to go Joe Alt or you got to go Malik Neighbors, Roma Dunze, or uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. or whatever. And I and I, I think logically, after what we have seen in the last two years, it's really hard to say, well, how can you pass up on Joe Alt? And, and I don't know that... Uh, you kind of start playing the numbers game, right? There's three quarterbacks, three wide receivers, a tight end floating out there. Do both of these tackles really go in the to the top 10, right? One of them may fall down, which means that pushes other people down the board. You know, Mary Smith, JC led them. Some of the guys that weren't even at the senior bowl. Yeah. So it's going to be really interesting to see how 
the direct, you know, pay attention to people like Daniel Jeremiah, who kind of changed their board based on what they're hearing and how stuff is moving around. Um, me personally, I'm going with the complete cop out. And this is, and I, I'm done with the wide receiver debate. I'm done with the LT debate. Best player available. Yeah. And I think, I think when you're in the top five, you should be drafting gold jacket players. When you're in the top 10, you should be drafting day one starters. If for whatever reason, I saw a draft today where Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbors, and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. are all off the board and they select Joe Walt. I think that's totally going to be the thing. I think that if it's, if Joe Walt's gone and maybe they don't think Olu Fashanu is as good as uh, Terry and Arnold, they may be going to Terry and Arnold territory. They, mm. I think that right now, this team stinks so bad in terms of <laughs> roster right now. Now, this could change, but right now, this team stinks before free agency with so many holes. They need what they need the best player at multiple spots. <laughs> so I, I think that Bill Callahan buys you some time. I think Brian Callahan has advertised in neon letters that he's taken a wide receiver over the offensive lineman, depending on which wide receiver it is, right? It's not going to be, he ain't going to take, you know, Ryan Flournoy in the first round over Jay, uh, Joe Walt. But I think that his philosophy right now is find me the guy that can make the play in the final th two minutes of a game. Which is exactly people what... Are when he, when he went on the radio right. with Jared Stillman last week, that's literally the exact examples he gave was multiple times yes. that Jamar Chase went up and made a huge play in the last two minutes of a game and said, give me the guy that can score touchdowns over the blocker. I know, he said, oh, I know Robbie, it doesn't Rexford, matter. Robbie, Rexford, Stillman, 3HL, he said it in multiple places. He's he's telling you what he, he believes philosophically. I, yeah. I know it doesn't matter. I'm sorry to cut in, but it's funny. When I hear that, I always think of Jamar Chase running down the sideline on like that last play of the Super Bowl and Quentin Spain just getting absolutely destroyed and you, the quarterback's got no time to get the ball off to a wide open Jamar Chase because the old line let him down uh, on the most important play of the Super Bowl. And look, that's only one example. And, and I agree. They made the like, right decision taking Jamar yeah. Chase over Penny Super I think, Bowl. I think, it, I think logically for us Titans fans, we, we see that. And I also come from the fact that like he just saw his quarterback get the shit kicked out of him for like three or four seasons <laughs> and had suffered two, two bad injuries. I bet they kind of wish they did have Pitney Sewell there too. <laughs> but when you got your your Papa Callahan coming in, that kind of changes a little bit of this game. But I still think it's best player available for them. I just think that wide some of these wide receivers are going to be higher on their board than the position of LT. We'll see how that rolls out. But I also don't think this wide receiver class is as deep as people say. I don't, I think, I think that. The players that you're looking for that can make plays down the field with two minutes left, they're not all throughout this draft. And if that's what you want, that's what you're going to have to take. Whereas I think that like, if you took a Patrick Paul in the second, you can get the, the, the gap between Joe Alt and what they could probably get out of Patrick Paul is not as much with Bill Callahan, but the mm -hmm. gap between Malik neighbors and Xavier Leggett is massive. I think it's a grand Canyon size, uh, gap i agree this has a second round pick that popped in my head not not to mention the fact that taking a wide receiver is way more exciting for a fan base than taking an offensive lineman yeah. in the first round just I'm, i don't know I'm this not... fan base seems pretty <laughs> set on joe alt so that's I'm, fair i think this is the year you could kind of argue that this fan base would be pretty happy with either i think i think you'd be pretty happy with either i i know i would be pretty happy with either yeah i mean i, I would too but i i would be very concerned 
about the tackle position. I mean, I'm not fully on board. I think as much as you guys are like, I would look I who doesn't love a shiny wide receiver. I'd be so excited about Roma Dunze, Malik neighbors. I love them both high, high grades on both. Uh, I'd be pretty concerned about what their plan is at left tackle. And look, March is only a month away, right? We're yeah. about five weeks out from free agency opening. We're like March 15th ish. I think uh, we're about five weeks out. So that'll change a lot of this conversation and see what they do. And now there's a lot of great tackles out there, but there are a lot of great corners, right? So that could take them out of the, you know, I, I don't think they're in the Terry on Arnold, Quinny on Mitchell conversation, but I expect they go out and get a big time corner and we could probably eliminate that officially if they do that. And, uh, and we'll yeah. see what they do across the offensive line as well. Like a Jonah Williams, maybe they sign him and. Yeah. I mean, personally, I have Joe Alt over Malik neighbors or, um, Rome, uh, Rome Dunze. But I don't think they do. So, like, when right. if we're looking at it from what the Titans are going to do, and that's kind of how I look at things, I try to look at things as much as possible. Is like, what could the Titans do? And they're they're telling us. So we can't ignore what they're telling us, in my opinion. So I think their big board would shape out a little bit different than my big board. But I also look at, okay, what if they trade back? To me, I, it seems like I say this every year, but I think a trade back is the best scenario for the Tennessee Titans because – I think that when you look at Talisa Fuaga, who I think if you got him in the 14th or 15th and you just traded back a few spots and you picked up an extra third or you picked up a second, you're cooking. Like, I think Fuaga is just as good as maybe an Ola or Joe Alt for this team with Bill Callahan, because I think that what Bill Callahan can do is above and beyond whatever else. Like, I think I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Dylan Radins at right tackle with Bill Callahan as your coach, I don't know. It could work. You know, I, <laughs> I doesn't prevent me from taking a JC Latham or some other t- right tackle. Like these guys, like Jalen Duncan, um, NPF and Dylan Radins, they don't prevent you from drafting a guy. Right. But they better do, not. <laughs> they do ease the, um, priority of certain things like if you feel that's Malik neighbors and Patrick Paul you may not get a you, one of these guys are going to have to be your right tackle more than likely depending on free agency so I I it's it's tough but we've seen what Bill Callahan has been able to do with a white Taylor who was almost his ass was almost out in the street and homeless and didn't have a job <laughs> and he was able to turn him into a three-time pro bowler I'd like I'd like to well, think I mean, he may have had somewhere. a home he could have lived with his parents or something right i mean this guy mr mrs teller but i mean like this guy was almost out of the league and he's a three-time pro bowler under bill Cowan. we have to listen i know that nobody likes npf nobody likes jalen duncan nobody likes john ojukwu nobody likes uh dylan radins well there's a pretty vocal contingent of dylan radins <laughs> some people like dylan but <laughs> some people do yeah but we have to allow for the fact that if bill callahan is as good as what he says we is a developing lineman one of those guys is going to be I, a starting offensive lineman. I am. Look, I am. We could go all day. I'm a little out on this conversation. Either you believe because, in Bill Callahan or you don't believe in Bill Callahan. You can't. I, have I don't think. It's not that I don't believe in him. I, I just. I don't think he can just do it with anyone, right? And like for me, Nicholas Petit Friere, I've seen Jack shit from Nicholas Petit Friere to think Jesus Christ himself can save Nicholas Petit Friere 
and develop him into a good quality starting right tackle. I think for me, I'll say this and I'll say it right now. I will be unbelievably concerned about this offense. If we go into the year and like Patrick Paul and Dylan Raiden start the starting tackles, I'll be unbelievably concerned. I don't know, to be honest with you, with the way you've acted on social media, if you won't have concern, like there's nothing that's going to stop you from having some kind of concern. with There this is. Team. Yeah. It's because getting one of those prime left tackles. No, because the then you'll say, well, you know, their wide receiver core is really weak. And I don't know about a first time head play calling head coach. And they should have kept Mike Vrabel because goddamn, we could have had NWI starting on this team. That'd be, <laughs> well, that'd be you right now. <laughs> No, it wouldn't You'll be. You'll find something I am, to be negative about. I'm no, I am sure, team, certain. you take a tackle in the first, and I think the board at wide receiver, we just talked about 379 wide receivers in this class. I will not be concerned about this wide receiver group if they get that pre- premier tackle in the first, and then they take a uh, they take a receiver in the second. They're going to, in fact, you talked about your trade-down scenario. I was trying not to interrupt, because all I keep thinking about is that's what they should do in the second round. Because if they get their tackle, I, I in the agree first, with you there. I wrote about. I've talked about that. I, I agree. If they with you. take Second their round tackle in the first, is where you trade back. Yes, they get their tackle in the first where they should. There are going to be a ton of receivers on the board in the second round. If they want a corner, there are going to be a ton of corners on the board in the second round where they could comfortably trade back five to ten spots and still get a really good football player. So no, look, I am not going to be concerned uh, about this offense, about this play caller, if they go into the season with a. A, a blue chip left tackle that they got in the draft. They're not getting one of those in the second round. A blue. I like Patrick Paul. He is raw. He is really, really raw. So no, you're not going to sell me. I'm going to debate you on that because he's he's improving, but he is a guy, and I, I I'm still in this from Ramon Foster, who who you know was down at the Senior Bowl. He says he's not a guy that is he's not a project. He's a guy that learns on the job, and I think that is that is such a good way to put it. And he is learning. He he worked on his hand placement. He's he's one of eighteen offensive linemen that are uh, with um, uh, crap. Uh, the O line masterminds guy whose name Duke is Mayweather. Me, but he's worked. Yeah, Duke Mannyweather. He's one of eighteen prospects that's with Duke Mannyweather, and they are specifically working on his hands, his balance, and stuff like that. And he worked on it through the week. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't great. It was it was a little up and down. But I think out of like your Guyton, your Fuaga, mm-hmm. he was a guy. And oh, of course. Jackson Powers Johnson. He was probably the the fourth or fifth best offensive lineman out of the tackles. And I think that he's a guy that is coachable. And again, I think that's like, to me, that's the biggest thing that you get to see in the senior bowl is someone being coached put and how quick they put into practice. Brennan Rice, who had a really strong week. He did that twice. I saw him do that twice. They talked about tacking the routes on a uh, comeback and a curl. And then he also talked about uh, some freelancing that actually, and both those things happened for him wow. during practice. So I think Patrick Paul is a lot better prospect for the Tennessee Titans than you may be giving him credit for because you, you're an altist. You got you got you I just think, no, I mean, I love Olu Fashanu as well. I, I have no preference really between Alt and Fashanu. I, I just think, I've seen this story too many times. Like that, Paul, you're right. He is going to learn on the job. And you know what that means? That's going to mean giving up a lot of backbreaking sacks, a miscommunication that kills a drive. Like it is going to be a work in progress probably all year long. And that's the type of stuff that hamstrings your office. Andre Dillard was, uh, has been learning on the job since year one, right? And he's still making the same mistakes. And I, I'm not saying Patrick Paul's not going to be a good pro by year three or four. I think he will be. But I think if we're talking about right now, in 2024, what this offense looks like, if it's Patrick Paul and Dylan Radins, they, they have not done enough to improve the tackle position, not even close. 
But if it's Patrick Paul and Malik Neighbors, there you go. I think that is a. I think that's just equal, as equal as what you can get. But I am with you on your second round. In fact, I think Jim Nagy would echo your sentiment because he talked about how only 58 underclassmen. I don't think it's going to be as drastic of a shift because we talked about it on the show. It's like, okay, if you have 58 underclassmen this year, well, then next year you're going to have like 58 more seniors than what you, you know, essentially did. Right. So, and they're, they're all the thing is that we're going to have to start adjusting our mindset on is that these prospects are going to be older. Yep. Your fifth year options, your second year contracts, there's, there's one or two less years of what you're normal to see. In, and that's going to change your data points, right? But a lot of people are going to be trying to trade up. And I think they're going to be trying to trade up in the second, third, and fourth rounds. And if you got some, if you're in the second round, I think you could get more than what the Titans gave up last year for Will Levis. I think you can that's, get more in this draft. That's the sweet spot, man. That's where I'm they with you. should. I'm do with it. you. That's where yes, they should. I fully do it. agree. You're gonna if you go get one of those tackles in the first round. In the second round, man, you're gonna come on the board at 38, whatever it is. You're gonna have a ton of corners, right? I really like the Georgia kid, Kamari Lassiter. Like, I mean, I think Ennis Rakestraw is probably a first round pick, but maybe he slides to that range. You're gonna have a ton of corners, man. And at receiver, we just talked about Xavier Leggett. Maybe I think AD Mitchell is probably still available mm. in the second round. I, I don't think the LSU that may be the guy is. that you miss out on though in a trade back. That'd be my one concern. Right. I'm with I'm my dream scenario. It depends who's on My the board. My personal dream scenario is Joe Walt, A.D. Mitchell. I would Absolutely. I would be Super Bowl bound next year. Uh, book your tickets, book your flight get to Nashville for the parade, to wherever the Super Bowl is being held. Let's do it because that would be that would be the dream scenario for me. Zach, before we let you go here and, and wrap up this episode, let's close things out talking some defensive backs. You you told us off air that there were some some pretty you know impressive guys there. What did you see at that position? Okay, we loved Max Melton all week. And him and Cam Hart uh, were two guys that I felt like, okay, they are day three guys, and they may not move up to day two based off the senior bowl. So they, there's a lot of, I feel like, fourth-round cornerbacks at the ten, if they don't have a third-round pick or whatever, if they stick with their current set of draft picks, could be really good for them. I think Cam Hart, Nehemiah Pritchett, uh, Chris Abrams-Drain, who had a great, uh, senior Bowl as well, but Max Melton go. He interviewed with the OTP. I think it was the day three interview, and that dude is energetic, and it showed up on the field. He's gonna press you. He's gonna do whatever it takes to win. That is a guy to put on your radar for the Tennessee Titans. He could play outside. He's not the biggest corner. I still would prefer a Nehemiah Pritchett or a Cam Hart to Max Melton as far as the physical traits. But as far as taking the physical traits, the energy, the attitude, the leadership, the intangible stuff that doesn't show up in your 5'11", 5'10 frame, that is a guy that right there, and he he plays at 195, I believe. Um, and speaking of, Quinnell Mitchell said that he wants to play at 200 in the league, so put that on your radar because that's a really nice size for him. But talk about a Max Melton. I really walked away with those guys, Max Melton, Chris Abrams, Drain. Uh, Nehemiah Pritchett and Cam Hart as like, if you're looking at mock drafts, if you, if you want me to grade a mock draft and you put one of those guys in the fourth round, cause they're usually all right there. A plus I'm in. Chris is small. I think that's the one big knock on him is he's real small. The measurements were not kind to him. Cam Hart though. I, I had a, Good grade on him going in. I like that shout out. Underrated, man. He played in, he wants to prove he can play inside and outside. He's a really, really good competitor. So I, I am a he, big Cam Hart. He was fan really good sure. at the senior bowl game until he suffered, I think, a concussion. 
but mm. I mean, don't throw me. They never said what his injury was, but he did suffer an injury. But he was yeah, real physical that. all week long. He's a competitor, man. Nice. Yeah. Zach, thank you so much for this. I really enjoyed listening to you argue with Mello here, and I think this was uh, some really great stuff. We don't do it stuff, enough. So. <laughs> so appreciate your time. Don't Thanks for stopping by. And uh, yeah, check out Lions Ford, right? That's what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> yeah, Lions Forge is our sponsor for uh, our Senior Bowl coverage. Uh, Stackinginbox.com, of course, uh, where we have over 25 p uh, pieces of content. And of course, you know, 440, we're going to be football and other efforts every Wednesday, 1 p.m. Central Standard Time on Mondays and Thursdays, a football show with Braden Gall. Nice. So check out Zach and all the content that he's churning out there. Appreciate your time again. Follow Zach on Twitter at FWordsPod. You can follow Justin at JustinM underscore NFL. Follow me at Titans Film Room. We appreciate everyone for listening. We appreciate you more for watching on the YouTube channel. Make sure you are subscribed to the Music City Audible podcast. We'll be back tomorrow looking at the all-star coaching staff that Brian Callahan is assembling, breaking down some of the names that we know have been hired and maybe looking at some guys that could be in the mix, but we're not sure yet. So stay tuned to the channel for that one. We'll be back then. Until then, y'all stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.